story twenty eight of romance of california life by john haberton this librivox recording is in the public domain story twenty eight the meanest man at blugsey's to miners whose gold fever had not reached a ridiculous degree of heat blugsey's was certainly a very satisfactory location the dirt was rich the river ran dry there was plenty of standing-room on the banks which were devoid of rocks the storekeeper dealt strictly on the square and the saloon contained a pleasing variety of consolatory fluids which were dispensed by stumpy flukes ex-sailor and as hearty a fellow as any one would wish to see all thieves and claim-jumpers had been shot as fast as discovered and the men who remained had taken each other's measures with such accuracy that genuine fights were about as infrequent as prayer-meetings the miners dug and washed ate drank swore and gambled with that delightful freedom which exists only in localities where society is established on a firm and well-settled basis such being the condition of affairs at blugsey's it seemed rather strange one morning hours after breakfast to see sprinkled in every direction a great number of idle picks shovels and pans in fact the only mining implements in use that morning were those handled by a single miner who was digging and carrying and washing dirt with an industry which seemed to indicate that he was working as a substitute for each and every man in the camp he was anything but a type of gold hunters in general he was short and thin and slight and stooping and greatly round-shouldered his eyes were of a painfully uncertain grey and one of them displayed a cast which was his only striking feature his nose had started as a very retiring nose but had changed its mind halfway down his lips were thin and seemed to yearn for a close acquaintance with his large ears his face was sallow and thin and thickly seamed and his chin appeared to be only one of nature's hasty afterthoughts long thin grey hair hung about his face and imparted the only relief to the monotonous dinginess of his features and clothing such being the appearance of the man it was scarcely natural to expect that miners in general would regard him as a special ornament to the profession in fact he had been dubbed old scrabble grab on the second day of his occupancy of claim number thirty two and such of his neighbours as possessed the gift of tongues had after more intimate acquaintance with him expressed themselves doubtful of the ability of language to properly embody scrabble grab's character in a single name the principal trouble was that they were unable to make anything at all of his character there was nothing about him which they could understand so they first suspected him and then hated him violently after the usual manner of society toward the incomprehensible and on the particular morning which saw scrabblegrab the only worker at blugsey's the remaining miners were assembled in solemn conclave at stumpy fluke's saloon to determine what was to be done with the detested man the scene was certainly an impressive one for such quiet had not been known in the saloon since the few moments which intervened between the time weeks before when broadhorn jerry gave the lie to captain greed and the captain whose pistol happened to be unloaded was ready to proceed to business 
the average miner when sober possesses a degree of composure and gravity which would be admirable even in a judge of ripe experience and miners assembled as a deliberative body can display a dignity which would drive a venerable senator or a british m p to the uttermost extreme of envy on the occasion mentioned above the miners ranged themselves near the unoccupied walls and leaned at various graceful and awkward angles boston ben who was by natural right the ruler of the camp took the chair that is he leaned against the centre of the bar on the other side of the bar leaned stumpy flukes displaying that degree of conscious importance which was only becoming to a man who by virtue of his position was sole and perpetual secretary and recorder to all stated meetings at blugsey's boston ben glanced around the room and then collectively announced the presence of a quorum the formal organization of the meeting and its readiness for deliberation by quietly remarking blaze away immediately one of the leaners regained the perpendicular departed a pace from the wall rolled his tobacco neatly into one cheek and remarked we stood it long enough the bottom's clean out of the pan mr chairman scrabblegrabs declined bitters from half the fellows in camp and though his grey old topknots kept him from taking satisfaction in the usual manner they don't feel no better about it than they did the speaker subsided into his section of wall composed himself into his own special angles and looked like a man who had fully discharged a conscientious duty from the opposite wall there appeared another speaker who indignantly remarked goin back on bitters ain't a toothful to what he's done there's young curly that went last week that boy played his hand in a style that would take the conceit clean out of an angel but all to once curly took to lookin flaxed and the judge here overheard scrabblegrab askin curly what he thought his mother'd say if she knew he was makin his money that way the boy took on wuss and wuss and now he's vamoosed don't believe me if you don't want ter fellers here's the judge hisself the judge briskly advanced his spectacles which had gained him his title and said true as gospel and when i asked him if he wasn't ashamed of himself for taking away the boy's comfort he said no and that i'd be a more decent man if i give up kids myself he's alive yet said the first speaker in a tone half of inquiry and half of reproof i know it said the judge hastening to explain i'd lent my pepper-box to mose when he went to frisco and the old man's too little for a man of my size to hit the judge looked anxiously about until he felt assured his explanation had been generally accepted and then he continued what's he good for anyhow he can't sing a song except something about jesus and tasteless hours that nobody's ever heard before and don't want to again he don't drink he don't play cards he don't even discuss when he tumbles into the river every man's got his pints and if he hain't got no good uns he's sure to have bad uns if he'd only show em out there might be something honest about it but when a feller just eats and sleeps and works and never shows any of the tastes of a gentleman there's something wrong i don't wish him any harm said a tall good-natured fellow who succeeded the judge 
but the feller's looks is agin the reputation of the place in a camp like this here one of our society's first class no greasers nor pigtails nor loafers it ain't the thing to have anybody round that looks like a corkscrew that's been fed on green apples and watered with vinegar it's discouraging to gentlemen that might have a notion of staking a claim for the sake of enjoying our social advantages then none of yer have got the worst of it yet remarked another the old cuss is too fond of his dust billy banks seen him a-buyin' pork up to the store and he handled his pouch as if twas eggs instead of gold dust poured it out as careful as yer please and even scraped up a little bit he spilt now when i was a little rat and went to sunday school they used to keep a waggin at me about evil communication a corruptin a good manners that's what he'll do first thing you know other fellows'll begin to be stingy and think gold dust was made to save instead of to buy drinks and play cards for that's what it'll come to beggin everybody's pardon interposed a deserter from the army but these here proceedings is irregular tain't the square thing to take evidence till the prisoner's in court boston ben immediately detailed a special officer to summon old scrabblegrab declared a recess of five minutes and invited the boys to drink with him those who took sugar in theirs had the cup dashed from their lips just as they were draining the delicious dregs for the officer and culprit appeared and the chairman rapped the assembly to order boston ben had been an interested attendant at certain law courts in the states so in the calm consciousness of his acquaintance with legal procedure he rapidly arraigned scrabblegrab scrabblegrab you're complained of for going back on bitters coaxin curly to give up cards thus spoiling his fun and knockin appreciatin observers out o their amusement of insultin the judge of not cussin when you stumble into the river of not havin any good pints and not showin your bad ones of bein a setback on the tone of the place lookin like a green apple fed vinegar watered corkscrew or words to that effect and finally in savin your money what have you got to say agin sentence bein passed on you the old man flushed as the chairman proceeded and when the indictment reached its end he replied in a tone which indicated anything but respect for the court i've got just this to say that i paid my way here i've asked no odds of any man since i've been here and that anybody that takes pains to meddle in my affairs is an impudent scoundrel saying which the old man turned to go while the court was paralyzed into silence but tom dosser a new arrival and a famous shot now stepped in front of the old man i ask your parding said tom in the blandest of tones but of course you didn't mean me when you mentioned impudent scoundrels yes i did i meant you and everybody like you replied the old man tom's hand moved toward his pistol the chairman expeditiously got out of range stumpy flukes promptly retired to the extreme end of the bar and groaned audibly the old man was in the wrong but then wasn't it too mean when blood was so hard to get out that these difficulties always took place just after he'd got the floor clean 
i don't generally shoot till the other feller draws explained tom dosser while each man in the room wept with emotion as they realized they had lived to see tom's skill displayed before their very eyes i don't generally shoot till the other feller draws but you'd better be spry i usually make a little allowance for age but tom's further explanations were indefinitely delayed by an abnormal contraction of his trachea the same being induced by the old man's right hand while his left seized the unhappy thomas by his waist-belt and a second later the dead shot of blugsey's was tossed into the middle of the floor somewhat as the sheaf of oats is tossed by a practised hand anybody else inquired the old man i'll back vermont bone and muscle again the whole passel of ye even if i be a deacon the angel of the lord encampeth round about them that fear him the angel needn't hurry hisself said tom dosser picking himself up one joint at a time if that's the crowd you're travelling with and they've got a grip anything like yourn i don't want nothing to do with em boston ben looked excited and roared this court's adjourned sine die then he rushed up to the newly announced deacon caught him firmly by the right hand slapped him heartily between the shoulders and inquired rather indignantly say old angel come why don't you ever let folks know your style instead of trotting round like a melancholy clam with his shells shut up tight that's what this crowd wants to know now you've opened down to bedrock we'll get english sam from sonora and get up the tallest kind of a wrestling match not unless english sam meddles with my business you won't replied the deacon quickly i've got enough to do fightin spiritual foes oh said boston ben we'll manage it so the church folks needn't think twas a set-up job we'll put sam up to botherin yer and yer can tackle him at sight then excuse me boston interrupted tom dosser but you don't hit the mark i'm from vermont myself and deacons there don't fight for the fun of it whatever they may do in the village you hail from then turning to the old man tom asked what part of the old state be you from deacon and what fetched you out from nigh rutland replied the deacon i had a nice little place thar and was doin well but the young one's eyes is bad none of the doctors thereabout could do anything for em took her to boston nobody thar would do anything said some of the european doctors were the only ones that could do the job safely cost money goin to europe and payin doctors i couldn't make it to hum in twenty years so i come here only child inquired tom dosser while the boys crowded about the two vermonters and got up a low buzz of sympathetic conversation the old man heard it all and to his lonesome and homesick soul it was so sweet and comforting that it melted his natural reserve and made him anxious to unbosom himself to some one so he answered tom only child of my only daughter father dead inquired tom dosser better be replied the deacon bitterly he left her soon after they were married mean skunk said tom sympathetically i want to judge as i'd be judged replied the deacon but i feel as if i couldn't call that man bad enough names hesby was as good a gal as ever lived but she went to visit some of our folks at burlington and first thing i know she'd writ me she'd met this chap and they'd been married and wanted us to forgive her but he was so good and she loved him so dearly good for the gal said tom and a murmur of approbation ran through the crowd 
of course we forgave her we'd have done it if she'd married satan himself continued the deacon but we begged her to bring her husband up home and let us look at him whatever was good enough for her to love was good enough for us and we meant to try to love hesby's husband done your credit deacon too declared tom and again the crowd uttered a confirmatory murmur ef some folks deacons too was as good but go ahead deacon next thing we heard from her he had gone to the place he was raised in but a friend of his who went with him came back and let out he'd got tight and been arrested she rid him right off begging him to come home and go with her up to our place where he could be out of temptation and where she'd love him dearer than ever pure gold by thunder ejaculated tom while a low you bet was heard all over the room tom's eyes were in such a condition that he thought the deacons were misty and the deacon noticed the same peculiarities about tom she never got a word from him continued the deacon but one of her own came back addressed in his writin the infernal scoundrel growled tom while from the rest of the boys escaped epithets which caused the deacon indignant as he was to shiver with horror she was nearly crazy and started to find him but nobody knowed where he was the postmaster said he'd come to the office every day for a fortnight asking for a letter so he must have got hers if all women had such stuff in em sighed tom there'd be one fool less in california excuse me deacon she never give up hopin he'd come back said the deacon in accents that seemed to indicate labored breath and it sometimes seems as if such faith be rewarded by the lord some time or other she teaches pet that's her child to talk about her papa and to kiss his picture and when she and pet goes to sleep his picture's on the pillar between em and the idee that any feller could be mean enough to go back on such a woman deacon i'd track him right through the world and just tell him what you've told us if that didn't fetch him i'd consider it a christian duty and privilege to put a hole through him i couldn't do that replied the deacon even if i was a man of blood for hesby loves him and he's pet's dad besides his picter looks like a decent young chap ain't got no hair on his face and looks more like an innocent boy than anything else hesby thinks pet looks like him and i couldn't touch nobody lookin like pet maybe you'd like to see her picter continued the deacon drawing from his pocket an ambrotype which he opened and handed tom looks sweet as a posy said tom regarding it tenderly them little lips of hern look just like a rose when it don't know whether to open a little further or not the deacon looked pleased and extracted another picture and remarked as he handed it to tom that's pet's mother tom took it looked at it and screamed my wife he threw himself on the floor and cried as only a big-hearted man can cry the deacon gazed wildly about and gasped what's his name tell me quick tom dosser answered a dozen or more that's him bless the lord cried the deacon and finding a seat dropped into it and buried his face in his hands for several moments there was a magnificent attempt at silence but it utterly failed the boys saw that the deacon and tom were working a very large claim and to the best of their ability they assisted 
stumpy flukes under the friendly shelter of the bar was able to fully express his feelings through his eyelids but the remainder of the party by taking turns at staring out the windows and contemplating the bottles behind the bar managed to delude themselves into the belief that their eyes were invisible finally tom arose deacon boys he said i never got that letter i was afeard she'd hear about my scrape so i wrote her all about it as soon as i got sober and begged her to forgive me and i waited and hoped and prayed for an answer till i growed desperate and came out here she never heerd from you thomas sighed the deacon deacon said tom do you s'pose i'd have carried this for years here he drew out a small miniature of his wife if i hadn't loved her yes and this too continued tom producing a thin package wrapped in oilskin there's the only two letters i ever got from her and just cause her hand writ em i've had em just where i took em from for four years i got em at albany fore i got on that cussed tear and they was both so sweet and wifely that i've never dared to read em since for fear that thinkin on what i'd lost would make me even worse than i am but i ain't afeard now said tom eagerly tearing off the oilskin and disclosing two envelopes he opened one took out the letter opened it with trembling hands stared blankly at it and handed it to the deacon thar's my letter now i got em in the wrong envelope thomas said the deacon the best thing you can do is to deliver that letter yourself and don't let any grass grow under your feet if you can help it i'm going by the first horse i can steal said tom and tell her i'll be along as soon as i pan out enough continued the deacon and tell her said boston ben that the governor won't be much behind you tell her that when the crowd found out how game the old man was and what was on his mind that the court was so ashamed of hisself that he passed around the hat for pet's benefit and here boston ben thoughtfully weighed the hat in his hands and that the apology's heavy enough to do europe a dozen times i know it for i've had to travel myself occasionally here he deposited the venerable tile with its precious contents on the floor in front of the deacon the old man looked at it and his eyes filled afresh as he exclaimed god bless you i wish i could do something for you in return don't mention it said boston ben unless you uh, you couldn't make up your mind to match with english sam could you come boys interrupted stumpy flukes it's my treat name your medicine fill high all charged now then bottom up to the meanest man at blugsey's that did mean you deacon exclaimed tom but i claim it myself now so i won't drink it the remainder of the crowd clashed glasses while tom and his father-in-law bowed profoundly then the whole crowd went out to steal horses for the two men had them on the trail within an hour as they rode off stumpy flukes remarked there's a splendid shot ruined for life yes said boston ben with a deep sigh struggling out of his manly bosom and a bully wrestler too the church has got a good deal to answer for for spilin that man's chances End of story twenty eight